Hello, hello, hello. Hello and welcome to TIB, the Immigrant Bag Podcast. I'm your host, Modupe Ogunyemi. If this is your first time tuning in, this is the place where we talk about tips and insights to help immigrants secure the bag. As always, we start with a disclaimer. This is not financial advice, and I am not a financial advisor. Everything we say on this show is for education and entertainment only. Please note that investing comes with risks, so please do your own due diligence or consult a financial advisor before making any investment decision. Okay, last week, we started an absolutely exciting conversation with a brilliant, brilliant special guest. And today, we are bringing you a continuation of the interview. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, so let's talk financing because you you mentioned it uh, just now. So let's talk financing. Um, Again, bearing in mind our audience, uh, uh, our audience is made up of mostly immigrants, uh, professionals, you know, people working the nine to five and all that. How do you go about financing and how would you advise someone who's listening to us right now who, you know, is interested? How would you advise going about financing? Because, you know, uh, we know what property prices are like. Again, using Ontario as an example, especially here in Toronto and environs, we know how prices have run up during the pandemic. And even though, you know, they are said to be coming down and they are still super, super high, you know, so, and the more units, the higher the price, I I would imagine. So if you're saying, if the advice is actually don't buy single family, don't buy something that, you know, you're going to live in, it's going to be a liability. Okay. So say I want to buy a fourplex now, you know, or something like that. It's probably going to be much higher in price than even the single family. How do I raise financing for for that? Okay. Um, So just a bit of context there. So the more units you go, the cheaper it is per unit. So, you know, a single family property is probably like 600K, you know, once you're buying a fourplex, it will never be 600K per unit. It will probably be like maybe 200K per unit. Now, at 200K per unit, 800K is too much expensive than 600K, right? But again, witness is about location. So chances are that maybe a lot of Nigerians, maybe a lot of them are in the GTA, just an assumption. And prices in the GTA are maybe like in the millions, then you could move out, right? You, you could move out to places that are not the GTA. So, you know, on the Western side, you can start moving from Toronto GTA to places like um, Hamilton, you know, Niagara, Brantford, um, Kitchener. On the eastern side, you could move into places like Bellevue, Peterborough. You know, uh, on the northern side, you could move into places like, um, you know, Aurelia, um, Sudbury. Like those areas are not GTA, uh, but they're also not as expensive as, as GTA. So, you know, that's one thing that can be done. With respect to financing, so, um, you know, this is pretty common knowledge. Anything be- between a single family and a four units is considered residential financing, right? So residential financing means the building, the bank will give you the loan based off of who is buying it. So they're going to check anything you would submit for a single family personal residence, like, oh, my income, 
my debt service ratio, like how much debt do I have? You know, do I have a car loan? Do I have this? All those things are required for single family to four units. So if you decide, hey, if you have financing from an A lender, which is like any of the big four to five banks, you can choose to buy a fourplex and nothing will change. The only thing that will change is if you choose to buy a five unit, because the five unit becomes a commercial property. So anyone that has a mortgage doesn't have to do anything. They just have to decide, you know what? I don't want to buy a single family. I'm, I'm going to buy a fourplex instead. Nothing changes. The same mortgage or same approval that you got, the same pre-approval, whatever you got, would probably qualify because you were pre-approved based off of your um, your income, you know how much you can pay a mortgage. As long as that four units meets that price you were approved for, you know you, you could easily get it done without such a heavy lift. Um, so from a financial standpoint, you know, it's, again, one to four is residential. So would you need, so when you say residential financing, um, is living in the property a prerequisite for obtaining residential financing? Um, so, you know, you give a disclaimer at, at the beginning of, of, the, of the show, like I would always advise you know, people to speak with that broker, but when you live in the property, you could get CMH financing, right? And CMH financing means you could put down 5%, right? right? But if you don't live in the property, you know, I don't imagine that you would get the 5% because you, you know, you can't say it's a personal residence. So you probably would have to put down 20% as an investment property, right? Um, so those are the rules around financing, but, you know, I would always advise based off of anyone's unique situation, you know, they speak with a mortgage broker, not a bank's advisor, a mortgage broker that is independent of the bank who can give them, you know, options across the A lenders, which is the banks, the B lenders, which is the credit unions, and then depending on their risk appetites, you know, the C, C lenders and the private lenders. So it, it sounds like, uh, you know, whichever way you choose to go, um, real estate is a business that you do need to have uh, a certain level of capital in order to get started in. No, 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 no. Zero, zero. <laughs> okay. yeah. Zero, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So I mentioned that there were a couple of books I, I wanted to reference to give credence to what I was saying. So one of them is, is a book called Money People Deal by Stefan Anion. And um, the reason why I like that book is because you know, he mentioned that for every real estate transaction, there are three things that are needed. There's the money. Well, the, well, the book says it's money people do, right? So those are the three <laughs> things that are required, like money people do. Um, and the reason why I'm referencing that book for this question is because you don't have to have all three. At the minimum, you should have one. Where you want to be is to have two. So think about it. If you have money and you have a deal that you know that this deal is going to make me money, Again, not the primary residence, like, like a deal. So if you have the money and you have the deal, you just need to find the people that would execute on that deal, to, like to realize the money, right? If you have a deal and you have a team in place, like, like contractors, you have like you know, people in place, you would easily find money. Like someone would fund the deal. Like money partners would throw money at you. Like, hey, you, you have the team to execute on this deal and you have a deal itself. Right. So if you have two out of three, you're in a very good place, but you just need to have one. So if you don't have money and you don't have the skills, so which means you don't know about real estate, you know, but you are just, you know, a happy-go-lucky, you know, person who wants to get in. 
you can absolutely make money by, you know, showing up, being in the right rooms, you know, like just reaching out to people, networking, right? By being available, there are, there are investors today that would, do you know that there are, there are some investors today that if you tell them, oh, I have a credit score of 700 or 600 or whatever credit score is considered good. And, you know, I have a job, you know, maybe my, my job is six figures. Um, they could actually give you equity in, in a property or in a deal just to qualify, just to qualify. That's hey, I need to hold the mortgage. Yeah, I need to hold the mortgage. That's for them to qualify for a mortgage. Yeah, because a lot of investors don't have nine to fives, right? So they can't qualify themselves. They're like, oh, oh, you work in nine to five. Oh, oh, your job is, oh, oh, okay. You know what? Why don't you just hold the mortgage for me? You know, and I'll give you 10%, 20%, you know. You, you didn't have to put up your money for that, right? You just had to leverage what you had. So again, in real estate, it's always, what do you bring to the table? Everyone has something they bring to the table. You know, you could be a rock star marketer. You know, maybe you do digital marketing so well. And it's also, oh, wow, you can help me find discounted properties. And, you know, this leads pan out. I'll pay you. You know, there's so many strategies in real estate that people need to understand and see what works for them. But you find out not all of them need money. Like, you might need some amount of money. Like, it could be like a thousand bucks, it could be like 5,000 bucks. But the notion that you need like 20K, 50K, 100K, like a million, you know, to make money, yeah, that's completely not the case. You, you probably need like normal funds, right? Like, if you want to go out, you need funds to even put gas in your car, right? If you want to, like, you, you need funds to at least show up to an event. Like, if you want to go to a networking event, you wouldn't go naked, right? Like, you probably would buy stuff to go for that event. So you need some funds, right? Like, when I say you don't need funds, I don't mean like it's literally zero, you know, but you don't, when people say capital, you, you, you don't need to have, hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions. You just need to understand in what capacity can you add value? And that value doesn't necessarily always have to be monetary. Right. I had a devil's advocate moment there when you said, you know, when you were mentioning one of the strategies and you said, you know, someone can, you know, investors can actually give you equity in order to help them qualify for the loan. I don't know. It may be the Nigerian in me. I'm very distrustful. So I want to say, okay, so what happens if, you know, the investor gives me equity, I carry the loan, and then they then default on the mortgage. They then don't pay the mortgage. That means I have to be, I have to come out of pocket for that mortgage. Right? So, you know, so there's, there's a bit of, of education, relationship, mentorship that's required to do real estate. You know, like a random joke can just come to you and say, hey, you know, hold this mortgage from me. And like, oh, yeah, give me X percent. You know, if you also don't know how, you are going to exit that investment or, you know, how you are going to mitigate the investment it probably wouldn't be a good opportunity, right? So I would prefer that, you know, by saying, you know, when I said joining mentorship groups, you know, relationships, networking events, that's where you, you get it in, in the rooms of people that are doing this activity, right? So as long as the person is qualified, you know, the person has a track record, you know, the person has good referrals, the person knows what they are doing, you know, like, there's also going to be agreements that you have, right? So if, if you want an agreement in place by a lawyer that says, hey, you know what, this person is responsible for this loan, 
every month or, or like you structure it in a way that works for you, right? Again, the person is leveraging your mortgage holding capabilities. And for that benefit, the person is paying you something. So if the person defaults on something, you know, you you could essentially sue the person. I, I just give that example to just let people know that, you know, it's not a one size fits all game. You know, just understand that real estate is about leverage. Whatever resources you have doesn't always have to be monetary. It could be anything else. It could be your credit. It could be your mortgage on capabilities. It could be your resources. It could be your background. It could be, you know, it, it could be the rich you get. It, it could be anything, right? Um, yeah. So. Okay. This is where we will be drawing the curtains on this week's episode of TIB, the Immigrant Bag Podcast. I'm sure you'll agree with me that it's been an amazing, amazing conversation so far. It's been super insightful and enlightening. Next week, we will bring you a continuation of the interview. So make sure you don't miss it. And on that note, until next week, when we bring another exciting episode your way again, this is Mudupe saying, keep your friends close, keep your money closer, and keep your family closer.